Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Survivor 101 podcast. We are here once again for a very special bonus show with Jamal Shipman from season 39 of Survivor Island of the Idols. Jamal, thank you for coming on with us. How are you doing? Absolutely. What's going on, everybody? Uh, I'm doing well, doing very well. Happy to be amongst you all. Well, we're very excited to uh, have you with us. And uh, Eric, I guess I'll ask you, how are you doing? Doing well, same as last week. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, my seat's starting to indent a little bit because I've been sitting on this chair for way too long, working from my desk, watching Survivor recaps on my desk, doing these live streams at my desk as well. So uh, I need to change the scenery a little bit. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're happy to have you with us because we put out some good content. Uh, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, last week we spoke to Reem Daly after the episode. Uh, Reem had lots of thoughts about the edge of extinction and the people coming back. And it was a really great conversation with her. And That's fascinating. Really, How was that? Was that good? Yeah, she was great, honestly. Uh, the connection was a little fuzzy, but besides uh, the technical things, um, you know, she, she had a lot of great thoughts about it. Uh, the differences between The Edge on season 38 and season 40. It was interesting to hear her perspective because um, it was just a very different game this time when you have the, t- the fire tokens involved yeah. versus they're just really trying to like live she and survive just, up there. That's right. Yeah, she was just wasting away. And exactly. Now these guys have something to do, something to, something to hope for. Yeah. And the interesting thing about speaking to Reem was that uh, we had a lot of coverage on the show of Natalie this season, who is the first one out, who may or may not come back. We don't know yet, but it looks like she definitely has some advantages and uh, we'll be excited to talk all about that. So really what we want to do today, for those of you who are watching along, we encourage you to send your questions in. We'll be watching the chat as we go, and we already got some questions for Jamal. So uh, I'll filter them in as we're going. But today, for those of you watching now or after, we're going to focus on the finale and get you guys yes. hyped up for Wednesday night. We've got five people left in the game, and then we got a whole bunch of people on the edge. So we're going to go person by person and go over each of their games, talk a little bit about what we think they've done this season and how they're going to do in the finale. And then Eric, I know he really wants to talk a little bit about um, a little bit more macro about some of the things this season, like including the fire tokens and the twists and what worked and didn't work. And the reason specifically we wanted you on, Jamal, was because you're so well-spoken and you have a lot of interesting thoughts and perspectives. So we're really thrilled to have you here to give your thoughts on the season. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I mean, this is so awesome. So I did, uh, Rob has a podcast on episode two. So that was, feels like forever ago now, but can you imagine all the things that have changed since then and now? So I'm stoked to be able to, to process all, all the season with you all. So this is great. Yeah. So I know when we spoke uh, before this, you said that because it was like so long ago that you were on with Rob talking about this and there's so many things that have happened. uh, We're going to do a little bit of a refresher for anyone who's watching about the things that happened, you know, in all the episodes. And then uh, Eric's going to comment, Jamal's going to comment, and we're going to ask some questions just to kind of go over everyone's game. Um, Eric, was there anything you wanted to say off the bat before we started? Uh, no, I mean, I was here just drawing some charts and charts and trying to connect some of the players. Um, you know, the final five that we have right now, we have some interesting dynamics and some um, some inter alliances 
and I've been trying to do some of the connections and there's so many scenarios and, and play-by-plays that we're trying to figure out how each of these players can make it to the final three and how they can ultimately leave with the $2 million check. So, so many things that can take place and so much unknown, especially with this battle back challenge and who's going to make their way back into the game. Yeah, this whole battle back thing really throws a wrench in all of the we could possibly predict for the final six. Um, so it adds a layer of mystery to it for sure. Have well, you guys seen? Sorry, have sorry, you guys seen you, earlier is yeah, in the, those like big charts of who played with who and in what seasons. That's why yeah. I feel like it's been narrowed down. Exactly. Uh, well, we lost then, a yeah. lot of that early on from all the players that were playing together. But uh, but you were so right, Jamal, because if we would have done this in season 38, right before the finale, uh, we would have had no idea how things were going to turn. Everybody out. was wrong. Yeah. Everybody lost money on that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get this started because I know everybody wants to hear our thoughts and, and especially Jamal's on the season. So uh, the person I want to start with is Michelle because I think she's in this position right now in the game where she's clearly the target out of the people that are left. If she didn't win immunity last time, she was probably going home, or at least that's what we were told. So how did we get to this point? And what's interesting is, is I'm going to go, I'll briefly go over Michelle's game, which was she came into the game as one of the new school people on the tribe, uh, on the Sele tribe, the blue tribe that we had. And she was initially left out of that Natalie vote, the first vote of the season where she was left out, we had Jeremy left out, and uh, Michelle left out. And it was, she was right away, it was like a repeat of her season where she was in no control and she wanted to gain back those numbers. So she really needed to figure out how to take control. And she teamed up with Jeremy and Jeremy was her number one. And basically she turned on the Rob and Parvati and Ethan alliance, the old school people. And it was a really pivotal point in the game where she could have gone with Rob, Parvati and Ethan with Jeremy, or she could have gone with Denise, Adam, and Ben. And they made the decision that they were going to turn on Ethan in the hopes of bringing Rob and Parvati in with them so that she could get closer to Parvati because she kept saying, I feel so close to her, but you know, Ethan has her attention, so I want to have that. So they took out Ethan. She sticks with Parvati. They end up being on the same swap tribe, but unfortunately, down in the numbers, Parvati gets voted out, and again, she loses one of her numbers. Then, fortunately... She gets back together with her ex, Wendell, and you and uh, Nick. Uh, and they, I, think it, I think it's up in the air. But, we don't know. We don't uh, know. <laughs> the level of their relationship, I think they have different opinions about that. Very okay. curious to see how, if she makes it to final three, if she's going to hand her a vote. That, that is oh. an interesting storyline. Yeah. yeah, that is for sure. Um, so then she teams up, basically. She, she gets Wendell and Nick. They become this, this threesome that they're going to move forward with in the game. And they vote out Yule, which was really interesting because Yule and Wendell and Nick were all aligned from the beginning of the game. But they decide they're going to move forward with Michelle. She finally gets some people. She gets back to the merge. They want to team up with Jeremy. They want to get all these big people together. And again, they don't get the numbers. And then Wendell goes out. And then she's down to the numbers for most of the merge really except for the Sophie vote, which was a vote where Tony came back to them and she had some power again. And then after that, I mean, she tried to work with Kim and Kim got voted out. She worked with Jeremy. She worked with Nick and she's literally lost all of her allies throughout the entire game. So this is someone who just keeps trying to get control and she keeps getting one step forward, two steps back. 
So I want to talk about Michelle. I know that was a little bit of a soliloquy, so I apologize, but but I want to. <laughs> it was very very helpful actually. Yeah, yeah major so, major play by play. Yeah, so I just wanted to give the the little bit of the the rundown of Michelle's game. So I guess Jamal, tell me what you think. How did you think Michelle did this season, and what do you think her chances are into the finale? Yeah, so uh, Michelle is an interesting player. I. I, and and I actually compare her to to Sarah a little bit in the the way that she strategizes with people. I'm feeling like just from the way that Survivor is telling the stories of of both of these characters is it's it's hard to capture their true strategy in in this format. So what I mean by that is I think Michelle has such a a sneaky, covert, soft style to her gameplay. In that she's 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 very relational. She 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 relates to people. She connects with them, and and her 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 strategy is is very. Um, she she likes to attach herself to people, as you noted. Like she just kind of attaches her people herself to to different characters. So, I think she. If you ever watch any conversation that if they ever like show Michelle in a montage, it's always her saying something like, "Absolutely no." Totally. I completely agree with you. I'm with you. I'm going with you. You're the one that is, you, you understand this game and we're, we're in this together. So, right. So, so that's her strategy. And she says that to every single person that she plays with. Um, so while we, we kind of understand her to be, you know, with Jeremy really tightly, right. Or with Nick eventually. Um, I think she's actually having that same conversation with everybody. And I think that's just a hard, hard thread to weave through through the 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 big you know tony-esque survivor storytelling that we get to have with survivor now um so i have a lot of respect for michelle's game to be honest i think she is right that she has a lot to prove she had a lot to prove from from her last uh, her last time playing the game and i think she came into this game with that chip on her shoulder um, wanting to make sure that she was playing the game so i think she has a case to make if she just has to say it she has to she has to go to the end of the right people and she has to explain it the right way in order to have a chance at this game. Yeah. She really has a like her thing is the social game, which is a little bit different than some of the people that are left. Um, you know, Sarah Tony both have good social games to a certain extent, but I wouldn't say that that is their game. Eric, do you think a social game can win a season uh, like an all-star season of all winners? Um, all-star season or any other season, I think the social aspect is a major component and people really need to take that into consideration when playing a tribal, a tribal. Um, and I know that Sarah brought up last episode about Nick having the underdog story. Now that Nick's out of the picture, I feel like Michelle sort of filled that slot and Mm. out of the five remaining players i mean we're gonna have six with this battle back i really do think she is playing that underdog story card um so it's very interesting because we've seen those players make it to the end and winning i mean all too often so i do think michelle still has a shot in this game she's played an angelic approach don't underestimate me approach to her game um and unfortunately the last the good bit of the game, she's been leeching on to, to alliances and holding on to them for dear life. And 
Um, some of them have abandoned ships. Some of them got eliminated. So uh, she's played a lot of the game alone, and it sucks. But it again, it's a blessing in disguise because those are the stories that are very compelling at final three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so you're so right about that, and I think she's she's really trying hard though to play the game. So if we remember this moment where she tries to play the fifty fifty coin for Jeremy, but then votes Jeremy to seem like she's voting with the majority and she was just as bamboozled by by Jeremy's play of the 50-50 coin, right? Like she's trying to play the game with the information that she has. The problem is she never has all the information. So in terms of like her as as a player, I think she has really good instincts. And I I know this all too well (laughs) from the way that my season ended up. I was playing a very good game. For, from what I knew, right? Like everything that I knew, I was like, oh man, I'm going to do this move, right? Like I'm going to get Dean to do this and I'm going to vote this way to get Tom out and then I'm going to go in and I'm going to get out Missy and then vote, right? Like I was playing an amazing game in my own head. I just didn't have all the information. Um, yeah. And I think Michelle is caught in this place where she's trying to get a resume. She's really putting in a good effort to like try to play the game. It's just that nobody's really uh, uh, giving her that platform to play the game the way that the way that she yeah. wants to. I feel like she's sort of the fan favorite. When she won immunity last episode, it was sort of. I feel like we're just all rooting for her to win that challenge because she's really at the bottom. And I like rooting for people who are at the bottom because mm-hmm. their backs are against the wall. And uh, I was really happy for her, and I'm sure the jury members were happy to see her winning that that uh, necklace around her neck. But Eric, what an interesting turnaround from when she comes into the season where a lot of people actually don't love Michelle because they wanted Aubrey to win that season that she was in. And then you have this scene, which I would really love for you to comment on, Jamal, which was we had this scene earlier in the season with, and I think this was after the Ethan vote, they're still on their original tribes and Boston Rob is talking to Michelle and she's basically explaining about her season and asking him and he says, okay, well, you were 19 when I won my season and you were nine when I first played and she's talking to him about, you know, the perception of her after her season and she mm-hmm. says, you know, you know, people it was really hard for me and people didn't respect my game and people thought Aubrey should win. And it was, it was just, it was hard for me. And Boston Rob says, um, you know, someone who you were able to see from Island of the Idols basically gives her this idol advice and says, if you win the game, you win the game. It doesn't matter how you won the game you won and you should be okay with that. And I wonder if that's a little bit of a sign for some, however we get to the winner of the season, be it Michelle or not, is that however we get there, the person deserved to win the game. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. And it's good advice. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's it's a dollar amount <laughs> that signifies who did the best in this game. And we can have all the opinions we want, but there are winners of 39 seasons who got the money and there's a bunch more people who didn't. Um, and so you have to determine of those 20, 16, 18 people who you're playing with, what is the best path forward to get the money? Um, and Michelle did it that season. She just did. And and she gets all the credit for that. Yeah, we, we interviewed Jamal a few weeks ago. We interviewed Hannah, and she's, she brought up a very season uh, of Millennials versus Gen X. And she brought up a good point is that sometimes the winner of your season, like, yes, they represent your season, but they're not necessarily 
the the you know the players who are on the jury you know they're not there's probably one member of that jury who got the major blindside or just unfortunately lost their traction at some point in the game but should have been more deserving of the final winner so it's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because the winner who represents the season isn't necessarily the player who played the best game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, right? But this is this is but this now we're getting to Russell Hance territory, which is like, <laughs> what does it mean to play the best game? Yeah, Russell Hance played an amazing game. If the goal of the game is to get to the end, he does that amazingly well, better than anybody. But he never played a game that could win. Yeah, right? and they brought he that up, the did. jury members, um, when Russell Hans, it was the, the season where Sandra won, right? With Poverty and Russell yeah. at Final Three. Heroes Villains, yeah. Yeah, Heroes, yeah, Villains. Heroes Villains. Um, and basically, the jury members, I forget who it was, but said there's two ways of playing Survivor. There's one playing to make it to the end, and then the second is to make it to the end and win. Mm-hmm. So we, see, be... we see this in Big Brother and in Survivor a lot over the last few years. I don't know if you're a Big Brother fan, Jamal, at all, but um, but we see this in many different games where there's a quote-unquote bitter jury. Um, and I think it's a very, when I hear players talk about it, I'll never hear, I don't, I don't hear, that's a, that's a fan thing. You know, I don't necessarily hear the players say that the jury was bitter. They say we voted for the person that we thought played the best game. And it wasn't because we disliked the other person the most. Like, you know, Russell didn't play a great social game. He didn't make any friends. He just did whatever he could to get to the end. And that was what happened. Um, right. So I, I don't want to get too off track, though, because I know that the Russell Hans conversation is a, is a major reality TV conversation sure, that can sure, head sure. us in a different well, direction. That, well, let, let me, let me yeah. tie it back. But yeah, I think you're, sure. you're, you're going off into a really great direction, which is, so, so my experience being on the jury I'm, I don't really subscribe to this idea that like the entire jury decided to vote for the person who played the best game. The way that I experienced it was of the three people there who earned my vote, right? Like I don't control the nine other votes on the jury. I control my vote. So from my analysis, from my perspective, who do I feel the best giving a million dollars to, right? And so if you think about my final three, right? Tommy, Nora, and Dean, with my relationship to those three people throughout the game, Tommy did the most for me mm-hmm. and whoever can get to the end and have the most people on the jury be able to say what I just said, that's who wins, right? It, it's a very individual decision. Um, and so this is why those relationships are so important because Michelle could very well get to the end and have a number of people say, of those three, I just feel connected to Michelle or I feel like Michelle represents me or our season or I have a lot of respect for her or I, you know what I mean? Like there has to be this like a very individual um, uh, reasoning that you tap into when you get to the end for every single jury member. And I think Michelle has a path to make that argument for herself with the number of people who'd be on the jury. Yeah. Definitely. I actually have an interesting follow-up question to that, which is uh, we had discussed, and I forget which guest this was in the last few weeks, Eric, so remind me if you remember, but we discussed with one of the guests that uh, the change in the format of the, the jury questions, which I think happened in Game Changers, 
was, you know, it used to be a one-to-one question where you got your opportunity to talk and then that was it. And then now it's become a little bit more of a group discussion. And do you think that as a jury member last season, that that could have affected the vote, you know, having this ability to have this group conversation, like, is that a benefit to the jury or is it, is there more group think involved when you have everybody like piping in on every question? Trust me, the, the jury format works really, really well in, 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 in live, right? So maybe it's a harder thing to, to display in, in a TV format, but we're sitting there for four hours at least, <laughs> just like hashing it out. I mean, we go in deep, like details. When you said this in this very moment, who gets credit for that move? And you told me this and you told me that. What's the actual truth? And and I mean, we talked about everything and it was really beneficial for me to actually hear, you know, a back and forth between Lauren and Nora as they were discussing the end of the game because I wasn't there. So it was actually nice to hear her, right? I hear the two of them really flesh out in detail, which I don't think we would get if it was just stand up, ask a question, get a response. Like I got to hear the content and I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. Let's talk a little bit about Denise's game because I want to move forward with Denise. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we talked about the beginning of the Blue Tribe, and we'll kind of, I'll I'll try and do this a little bit quicker, but basically, uh, we come into the game, and at the beginning of the game, Denise talks to Adam, and Adam says, I want to be your Malcolm. And I think that's the (laughs) the storyline we get a lot for Denise this season is who's going to be Denise's Malcolm. And so she gets, uh, you know, originally Adam gets targeted and then they find a way to turn it around and then they really get control of the game for the Blue Tribe and they get the majority of those votes. She has this amazing move at the swap where she basically uh, takes out Sandra all by herself. She has an idol that she got. She gave half the idol to Adam, Adam gave it back to her. She also got an idol from Sandra. And then she comes into the merge and she's sitting at that merge feast and basically everybody knows that she took out the queen and that's her big move and they know that denise is a target but somehow she finds a way this person (laughs) she relived that whole night at the at the at the merge feast yeah exactly this was theatrical yeah so the yeah and it was it was very exciting for everybody to see but then Uh, she finds a way to just make herself like not a big target again. And you know, we were talking about like, who's the Malcolm to Denise this season. And a lot of people thought that it would be Adam. I think Adam thought it would be, uh, he would be the Malcolm, but it turns out that she ends up developing this relationship with Ben. And it's almost like Ben becomes her Malcolm this season. And Ben is with her throughout the majority of the, uh, the season. So uh, majority of those votes. So uh, really interesting game for Denise. I think one of the things that we spoke about, one of the main topics for her in the last few weeks was that time that she put her hand up to Jeremy's face at Tribal. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you think, because to me, that was it. That was the, like, the, the moment where it seems like she's tired, she's fed up. And if I was on the jury, I would think like she probably is not that into the game anymore. Uh, do you think that she has a shot? Um, so when it comes to Denise... I, I give her somewhat of a kudos for stopping that conversation with Jeremy because she was fed up and who knows how long that lasted. Um, it could have been a back and forth whispering in people's ears for over an hour for all we know. So she's the one who put her foot down at that moment and saying, let's go vote. I'm, I'm done with it. But I don't think 
necessarily she's done with the game. I think she was just done for, for that specific scene um, at Tribal. And she just wanted to go vote and get it over with. Um, I brought this up last week. I do think that Denise didn't play so much of a cohesive game. You know, she started off with Adam, then went with Jeremy, played the idol for him. Um, and then she played along with Kim, Michelle, and Nick. Um, and then now she, we, we find her in a position with Tony, Sarah, and Ben. People may say, okay, well, she's adapting her game week to week. Um, but people can also say she's been leeching onto the powerhouse of uh, each alliance that she thinks she can, she can not be at the bottom. So I, I do think Denise still has a good resume. Look, last episode, she made it seem like she was going home because she bought her tokens for the race. And uh, essentially, like the jury members saw that she was, it was like an all of a, it was a game plan, basically. Um, and I, I think overall, just the fact that she slayed the queen of the game. Um, you heard Nick last episode saying, I want to slay the queen who slayed the queen um, by voting Denise out. I, I do think she has, I do think overall she has a few marbles in her bag that she can play at final travel council. She's very well-spoken and I think she can get there. Okay. Um, we will. So what's going having, on with Jamal? Yeah, we'll be having him come rejoin us. I just sent him the link again. So hopefully uh, he'll be joining us in just a moment. Um, All right. So thank you guys for everybody who's uh, been sticking around. We should be back with Jamal in just a few minutes. And uh, yeah, there he's coming on in. Okay, perfect. Uh, hey, there we go. Hey, what I miss? Okay, you missed my our whole analysis on Denise. <laughs> right. So I guess I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick summary for for, yeah, for that. I'll, I'll jump in. So basically, uh, we were talking a little bit about how we get the storyline of Denise throughout the season, which is that Adam is going to be her Malcolm, and then Adam obviously does a lot of things that people don't end up liking, and we. It turns out that Denise ends up going a little bit under the radar until she has this move where she pops up, she takes out the queen, everybody knows about it, um, and she's a big, looks like she's going to be a big target at the merge, but somehow she falls under the radar, she gets way closer to Ben, who really turns out to be her Malcolm, in my opinion, throughout the season, it's way more Ben than it was Adam, and now she's at this really interesting point at the end of the game, where it's almost like she's fed up with the game itself, um, where she's talking about, you know, how, I don't know if it's how mentally exhausted she is or how she's tired of whispering. And one of the things that I said, Jamal, recently was like the second that she put her hand up to Jeremy's face and said that she doesn't want to continue this conversation was probably the moment that she lost the game. So I'm curious if you agree with me, because I think from a juror's perspective, it goes, it looks like you don't have it in you necessarily to finish out what you started. Oh, that's interesting. I think you have a different interpretation of that moment than I do. Yeah, so this, this is great. Yeah, I, I I'm curious to see that. what you're you're gonna say if it's in line with what I said. Yeah, I, I just feel like I, I interpret that moment more as like I more just like I'm fed up with the back and forth and the uncertainty. I have chosen my path forward. I am no longer influenceable. 
but I, 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 I'm, I'm done pretending like I can like be wishy-washy and, and just be told what to do. I'm taking charge of my game. Leave me alone. I got it. That's how I interpreted it. Not like I'm so done with this. I'm exasperated by the game and I'm just want to go forward because I'm, I'm tired of all of this. You know what I mean? Like I almost felt of it. I almost felt it more of like, I'm going to put my foot down and show you how determined I am to play the game the way that I've decided to play it. Mm. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. That yeah we, had, we had a complete a different, opposite, different opposite plot, interpretations. Yeah. It's pretty much in line with what I was saying, Jamal, is that oh, she's frustrated. See, so Eric, Eric wins here. Yeah. Eric has the better. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? John may be right. <laughs> no, it's not like it's not a right or wrong thing. It could just be. I mean, you had you had what like uh, almost fifteen people sitting there in the jury. Like half of them could have been like, "Oh, good for Denise for standing up for herself and saying enough is enough." She knows what she's doing. And then other people on the jury thinking to themselves, "Like, whoa, that was a little bit much." And she could have just said, "Like." I know what I want to do, so I'm not going to have this conversation. Right. And you have this moment it where felt, it definitely felt rude. It definitely felt rude. So, so I think it could be a detriment just because of the the way it came off. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, um, I just I, I I'm like curious. Is Denise? I, I cannot see her path to the victory moving forward. But can you at all, Jamal? No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't see her path forward. I, I think. Um, she has a case to make. I just, I just, I just, I just don't know how much she can own anything other than getting out Sandra, which I thought was a terrible move for her. <laughs> you know. Okay. So I, I, why did Why did you think that? Her, well, I I don't even give her credit for that because it, it's if she didn't win immunity that one time, she was going home because she singularly put a target on her back by making it her move and her move alone to get out Sandra. I feel like the, the, the suaveness of the game requires that you make moves, but while the game is going on, nobody really knows whose move that was, right? So she could have very much like kind of tucked herself behind Sandra. I think she should have kept her. I think she should have took the deal that Sandra offered her and move forward that way because who is a bigger shield than the queen, you know, especially for the women. So I, I, I just don't think that was smart. I think it just put a target on the back. And I think it was a poor uh, social awareness to be going on and on about her move at the merge feasts, right? Like every single person was like, Hey. Woman here. <laughs> but she still here. persevered you have to give her kudos she still persevered and people yeah. moved on because every week there's other moves that are being had yeah. and her slaying the queen is sort of third or fourth on the list of reasons to vote someone out because there's so many new development that take place week to week yeah. or should i say every three days that uh, people move on to the next big headline. That's true. It's every two days at the merge, just so you know. It, it goes it goes quick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't wanna, so, yeah, so sorry, you finish what you're saying, Eric. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm actually, there was one point I brought up from last week's episode where Boston Rob was saying, oh, look, she's putting up a front having bought the rice. Um, and she was, like, she was sort of fabricating a, uh, a facet that, she she doesn't stand a chance but it was yeah, yeah, yeah. she sort of fooled the the jury members look i think overall um i agree she doesn't have much of a chance of winning but i've been playing a lot of poker recently 
uh, every single week during quarantine. And if I had to give myself a hand that represents the knees, it's a seven-two off suit. Oh, okay, yeah. the worst hand in she's poker. Still, she, the worst hand down. in poker, but she still has a chance. Like you never know, a seven-two-two two can come out of the flop. I, I I can't see her path, but but I do think that uh, her legacy is something that would be interesting to talk about after the season's over, at least. Which is that she has always been known as the person who survived every tribal council to get to the win. And that was her. Like, mm-hmm. if you had to think of a winner that was just, like, ruthless in finding a way to survive, you know, that's Denise. And now mm-hmm. I'm starting to, you know, like, I think fans are going to look at her game and say, like, potentially it's because she just wasn't that big of a target and it may not have been of her own doing because we are seeing in this game she doesn't necessarily have the agency similar to the way mm-hmm. that she, like, launched on. Uh, to other people in her season. Right. Well, this this isn't abstract anymore, though, right? Like, she she literally has to sit in the final three with two of the people that's there and the, and the person coming in, right? I think she, hands down, loses to everyone except maybe Ben and maybe has a good battle with Michelle. But that's it. That's it. I don't think she can win sitting next to anybody else. I think that's why she tried to form that alliance with Sarah and Ben at the well. Because she, I think she's realizing this now that she needs to get rid of Tony. And then once she gets rid of Tony, she's going to try and get rid of Sarah. Because right. she knows that her path forward can't be with those two. Right. So um, before we move on, because I, I think talking about Ben next probably makes the most sense in that case. I just want to, uh, I have a couple people who really want to say hi to you, Jamal. So Jason in the oh. chat said, uh, hey, Jamal, and Angela what says up, hi as Jason? well. Angela, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll throw in a question because I, I, I'm going to get to all of your questions, guys, in the chat uh, as we keep going. But I have a question here from Natalie who wanted to know, um, there's so many better storylines this season besides the new school versus old school. What would oh, you say is the preach. main theme of the season? Let's go. Who's that? Natalie? That's Natalie. Yeah. It's my sister. <laughs> Natalie is awesome. You have an amazing brother. And Natalie, you are on point with this. I've been saying this for three seasons in a row now. This whole, the, the, the simple, simple story is just so annoying to me. The one I'll, I'll liken it to is the one that comes up every time, this whole like nerds versus the cool kids storyline. Like every single season, the first three episodes, you have to have this like, oh, well, we're on the outs and those are the cool kids sitting at the table in the cafeteria and we're the nerds over here and it's Revenge of the Nerds. I hate that. I hate that storyline so much. Um, and I think it's just so easy to go for. And I think the producers set everyone up to have that kind of construction. I feel strongly about it, as you can tell. Um, yeah. But I liken it to this season because even though there wasn't a theme, right? the easiest thing for Survivor to tell, uh, to grab for with this construction is this old school versus new school and how convenient <laughs> that that's exactly how it panned out for a time. Um, but I think you're so right. I think it's so much more complex than that. Um, and they just they just needed to draw a line in the sand so they can tell this story of people you know, going back and forth, like, oh, he's going to join the old school and he's going to, you know, go against the, the new school and both, right? Like, they needed to be able to tell that story. Yeah. Um, but it, but what is really considered, what is considered old school? You know, is it tw- season 20 and yeah. older? 
Because yeah. there's some players yeah. who are gray zone, like Denise. She was season 25, right? But I don't I think, think it's she's pre-heroes considered... people consider that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, pre-heroes villains. That that kind of drew a line. I mean, it's kind of like heroes versus villains. I mean, uh, winners at war, kind of is, is a nice. It feels like a, a good like end of an era, right? Once, <laughs> once the season is done, I yeah. think we got two newbie seasons coming up, and then maybe some returnees after that. But um, I definitely think it's the end of an era. So yeah, maybe heroes versus villains is the line in the sand there. Well, it always changes because I remember when I was watching Heroes Villains um, and I, I had in my room like uh, every single cast member that was coming back for Heroes Villains. And to me, all the old school people were, were all the people who played before All-Stars. So you had right. like all those people. You had like Colby yep. and Rupert and all them. And it was the same thing. It was like praying that all the old school people uh, get there. And then eventually we're going to have another major all-star season at some point, mm. whether it's Survivor 50 or 60, if we're lucky to ever get there. And pre-season mm. 40 will be old school. So yeah. I guess the barometer is always going to be changing. Um, it's going to shift, yeah. So I have a, one more question before we get to Ben. So uh, Angela wants to know, Jamal, is Jeff the same off camera as he is on camera? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, all the stories you hear about Jeff are absolutely true. He curses like a sailor. He's actually very mean when you for for a purpose. He's like the nicest guy in interpersonally. But mm. you can the 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 most striking thing for me when I was out there and interacting with Jeff as as like you know the, the showrunner of the show was he's doing his job. He we are we like we walked into Jeff Probst's office. Right. Like it all looks like fun and games on the TV screen, but he's working. Um, so if you're like going off script or if you're trying to joke around too much or if you're breaking the rules in some way, he very quickly puts you back in your place. And so you never wanted to cross Jeff at a challenge or at tribal council. Like he he came with the heat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so it, it's so funny because you, you can tell that he knows exactly how he gets edited after doing this for so long. So he'll like curse you out he'll tell you off he'll like tell you to get in your spot or give me more whatever it is and then he'll jump right in and he'll be like so jamal what do you think about blah blah, blah. And he's like you are schizophrenic <laughs> <laughs> so he definitely has those dual personalities well i know i noticed in your season he obviously had this like back and forth banter with elaine that you yeah. know i think he just he has like those people that every season that he just knows that he can have this back and forth with which is a little bit different than some of the other contestants on the show who it's really more business, but in a way, like some people just like cut through that a little bit and they get to like have that fun with Jeff. But if you're not like one of those people, you're not, you're not able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And actually Elaine would be the first one to tell you. So Elaine would be trying to joke with Jeff and then like even, even he, he would like put, you know, put her in her place, not in a, in a rude way, but just like, all right, Elaine, like we're, we had to get something done here. <laughs> so yeah, it's okay. good. It's really impressive. He's very impressive at what he does. I'm, I'm a Jeff fan. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Ben. So this is an interesting one because I know you said before that you think the only person that Denise could potentially, could potentially beat would be Ben. Uh, ben walks into the finale with an idol um and you know we're going to talk about the story of ben's game so far this season i mean he comes in on that sele tribe and basically his storyline for the first part of the season is that he's kind of the crazy guy and we get this from rob who's there and he's talking about there's one tribal where he's whispering in jeremy's ear and saying like this guy's crazy and like almost trying to turn it on him and i felt like every single vote it could have been ben 
And this is something that you talk a lot about. I'm sorry, about... Let, let, me, let me fix that. Yeah. It should have been Ben is what you really <laughs> meant to say. <laughs> well, what I was going to say actually is that uh, you, I've heard you speak about the story we get to see on the episodes versus what's actually happening on the beach. And yeah. I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm wondering like, they can't fake that obviously Ben is getting on a lot of their nerves. And for, for me, he had the two major examples of this is that he had, it seemed to have a great relationship with Adam, which he totally destroyed and they just couldn't work together anymore. And to the point where they wouldn't even talk to each other at the time that Adam got voted out. And he also had a great relationship with Jeremy, which completely got destroyed. So it's kind of like, and now it's very clear to me that Tony and Sarah are simply using him for their whatever purposes to moving forward but 100. yeah it goes to show you get you, the theme J- uh, jamal it's it's yeah. someone who holds grudges yeah so so <laughs> yeah. i guess tell me a little bit about about your thoughts on ben this season yeah yeah so what's annoying about ben is he's not playing a social game and i know he bristles at this whole idea of like you know the way he his whole season he didn't have a social game he just had the idols and people feel like production helped him out which you know it's hard hard to argue that they didn't (laughs) given the way his season panned out um but what's wrong with ben is that if he has decided that he doesn't want to work with you there's that's the end of the story that there's nothing more to that right like he's just like nope I'm not talking to you, Jeremy. Nope, not talking to you, Adam. I want you gone. I want you voted out. If these people agree with me, then you're going home. Of his social game. And it's probably frustrating. Yeah, it's probably frustrating as a player to be playing with someone who's that stubborn and like you want to converse and have dialogue with, with players because you want to play and plan your next moves ahead and when you have someone like ben who's such an interference um in in how you're going to be playing your game imagine you being at the bottom ben's your only side of hope and he's just not entertaining any discussions well that's what this is what happens this is what happens a couple of times yeah Yeah. for sure it's got to be the most frustrating and i don't think it helps him out like i think he could be exactly in tony's position right now if he would be a little bit more savvy and actually talk to jeremy right and get jeremy thinking that he's playing with him and get information through that relationship right like he could be doing so much more socially but he just digs in and thinks that that's the way to go. And the reason why I recognize it so much is because I feel like that was me in the first few weeks of my uh, 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 season, right? Like I had my, my target and I was like, great, that's it, that I'm done, you know? And my perception of not waffling or not like going off and talking to who the target is, my perception of that was I'm showing my alliance that I'm trustworthy, right? Like I'm not going to be squirrely. I'm not going to be paranoid. You're not going to see me talking to people I shouldn't be talking to. So you can trust me. So let's just go ahead and move forward that way. Survivor is more complicated than that. Is that where this whole uh, nap thing came from? Yeah, the stupid nap thing. And and then and then okay, if, if we're going to talk about that, we need to talk about <laughs> it because <laughs> well, I'll just say yes is the answer, right? That the 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 nap thing wasn't me actually napping and and not I'm being oblivious, right? It was feeling like I've done all the talking I needed to do. People told me all the information they wanted me to have 
right? Well, you have to take that into account, right? It's not that I was like, you know, just ignorant to to all the things that were happening all around. And if I had just been awake, I would have seen some things, right? It was like people made the active decision to tell me this much information. And so I took that and believed them, my bad, right? How dare I believe people on Survivor? Um, so that's where, that's where that, that whole thing comes from. So I think what I should have done, right, is talk to Jason, right? Talk to Nora, see what they were thinking, seeing if I can hatch a secondary plan with them, making sure that that plan wasn't me. And if it wasn't me, then knowing who it was so that I can maybe be in the middle, right? And decide who I want to go with, right? That, that That's where Survivor is yeah. now. You just got to work yourself into yeah. that middle. I think information is the most important aspect at the end of the day. And with information that you gather equals power. Um, and if you're just going to shut down a whole conversation, well, then you're you're negating potential information that can work in your favor. Mm-hmm. Preach, preach. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, one one last thing I did want to mention about Ben, which is interesting, for all the shit that we give him for his game and his lack of social game, he actually has voted correctly every single time that he's been to tribal. Which I, I don't know if that necessarily says that he was in control of the game at any point, but we did talk about this when we were talking about how our fantasy league works, which is we like to reward mm. the players that vote correctly because it shows that you've had some type of control over the game. Uh, now, to me, this says more that he's aligned himself with the right people, which is why he's right. still in the game. Um, right. So you can have a player every season that votes correctly all the way through, basically, until they're voted out. It doesn't mean they're mm-hmm. in completely control of the game. But most of the time when someone is voting correctly, they're doing something right. So I don't want to completely discredit him because he has you know, zigged when he needed to zig and zagged when he needed to zag. Yeah, I, I do have two points to bring up about Ben, John, if you don't mind. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the first one, you know, one element that was brought up last episode was Nick. You know, he said that, you know, bring Ben to final three. Yes, you want to bring him to final three because he's an easy win. But you have to keep in mind that he can make fire. And if you don't win final immunity at final four, well, then you're putting yourself at a big risk by keeping Ben in the game because he can, like, you're you're out of control in your destiny in the game if you can't make fire against Ben. So you're better off getting rid of him than sitting with him at Final Three and completely risk um, not making your way there because you can't win him in a fire-making challenge. I think it's something that's really important to address. Uh, and. I know Tony's aware of it, and let's just say Tony doesn't win that final uh, that final four immunity challenge. Well, then he's probably going to go home because he doesn't have any more hidden immunity idols in his bag, and he just wouldn't beat Ben in a fire. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I I I, I see what you're saying. I I wonder if like considering Ben's position in the game, if you have Ben in that spot and you you're in the final four and you win immunity. Like I would take Ben to the final. If I was going to do that, if I wasn't going to put myself in the fire making challenge, I wouldn't put Ben in there and give Ben an opportunity to have this move considering, you know, he's probably going to win the fire making challenge if that's the case. So I would probably want to encourage and put him in the goat spot. Um, 
but I, yeah, that, I, yeah. that, that is a fair point. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up about Ben is that he's the only one out of the final five who's never received a fire token from any of the players who got voted out and bequeathed those fire tokens to him. So I think it's something to be said about his social game. Um, the fact that he's been a little bit stubborn and he hasn't been, uh, he hasn't had a, a, a sidekick, let's just say, in this game. Um, and I think it's something to be said because... But he gets rid of every sidekick. He, <laughs> he gets rid of every sidekick and then they don't want to, they don't want to, and uh, bequeath them the idol, uh, the tokens. Consequently, so I th- I think it's it's important to mention that he did not get uh, fire tokens throughout the season because of that. Yeah, and what you just said is is I think the most important thing because again, let's bring it back to what's actually in front of us, right? It's not us assessing their games and thinking who deserves it. It's what are those jury members going to think, and that's why I actually disagree with you a little bit, John. Where I think you do send Ben in to do your dirty work of getting rid of who you want to get rid of, because if he comes back in, nobody's voting for Ben. Ben is not winning this game. Nobody's voting for him, you know? And so he is, he is the best person to take to the end. I don't think that happens because I think Tony and Sarah are going to play a different game, but that's what I might be looking to do is to get to the end with Ben because no one's voting for him. Totally fair. And I do wonder if in this particular season, if the move is to go to the end with someone who isn't going to get any votes, um, because I I guess put it this way, if if you, one of the things, one of the options we were discussing is if the edge of extinction person finds their way in the end with Tony and Sarah, is it possible that the Sarah Tony people, like the jury votes split between the two of them, and then the rest of the people vote for the edge of extinction person? I don't think that's going to happen if Ben is sitting there with Tony and Sarah. I think in that case, mm. it's going to be very easy for them to decide, are we voting for Tony or Sarah? But I think in the, in the case that you actually have three viable options, you're, you may have a situation where the vote gets split between Tony and Sarah, in which case you're right and you may want to find a way to get Ben in the end with you. Mm. So, um, yeah. So very that's, interesting point. Yeah, so it's uh, Ben's game is one that on a rewatch, I'm, I'm very curious to see how things went so wrong. But uh, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how things develop. And I want to Jamal, move- you remember? Sorry, one second. I just thought of something funny. You know the the Ben bombs. Yeah, that he was known for. Well, then yeah. he just exploded his own game this season. Oh, 100%. He is. He personified <laughs> the Ben bomb. It's it's him. He exploded his own game. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move on to the... No, no problem. Uh, Let's move on to the people that I know everybody wants to talk about, which is uh, Tony and Sarah. And you can't really talk about one of their games without the other. I know they were split apart a little bit when uh, the tribe swap happened for three votes uh, or four votes, whatever it was. But um, there is an interesting point at the beginning of their game, which I really want to talk about and something I'm so curious to hear what you have to say, Jamal, about this, which is uh, at the Tyson vote, there was a point Which when, one? well, the first Tyson vote, excuse me. So the, <laughs> okay. the Tyson vote at, uh, in the pre-merge, there was a point where they could have gone with Tyson. You had this thing where Tyson was pitching to Tony and saying to him, we got to keep the threats. We got to be yeah. me, you, Sandra, Sarah, Kim. We're going to be the five of us and we're going to get rid of the one-time players, the people who nobody has connections to. And that way, you know, when, if I get voted out, Tony, you're next. And they made the decision 
to vote out Tyson. And it actually worked out. Like it worked out and they decided that they were okay getting rid of threats. Um, you know, more and more old school threats got voted out of the game and different things happened. But uh, they have been the two people who have been really in control of the game, you know, except for the, obviously the one caveat being that Sophie vote when Tony took the power away from Sarah a little bit and took out Sophie. But I guess my question for you, Jamal, is uh, let's talk about the beginning of their games, which is, do you think that besides being results oriented, if this was the right decision to go along with all these people that they were making connections with versus people who were known as being threats in the game? Hmm. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that they made any mistakes earlier in the game, right? Because there they are. They're, 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 they're at the end there. Um, I think for Tony, I don't know that he had much of a choice. I, I think he made the assessment very early on that he needed to chill out <laughs> and just go with the flow. Um, I, I, I laugh at the moment where Sandra, I think, goes to Tony and tells him that I think they're targeting him or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to blindside. We're going to blah, 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 blah. And that doesn't happen because it just doesn't. And, you know, and, and, and so I think it was Tony like flaring up. Like when Tony hears his name, he kind of flares up into his Tony-ness. Um, but I think he rightfully makes the decision to just lay low and let other people make the moves. Um, so I, I think he played it right. I, I think that both of them played it, played it right early on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let, let's, let's separate it. So Eric, before you comment on that, let's just separate a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about Sarah and then I want to really get into Tony. So the thing oh, about okay. Sarah, the yeah. conversation mm -hmm. that uh, we've been having in the last few weeks of the podcast, and I, I am curious because I know that you've spoken to probably a lot of people throughout the season about this is uh, Sarah had this weird perception, at least in the fan community where people, a lot of people didn't understand how she won game changers because a lot of people said that when they were on the Island with her, that they were, you know, she was their best friend, but on the TV screen, she just doesn't come off fully enthusiastic. And, and I know that there's people in the chat who disagree with me and they've expressed that they feel connected to, to Sarah, but I've had a lot of people I've spoken to and myself, I kind of feel like there is a little bit of a lack of connection with myself yeah, spoken, included. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we both felt, and I don't know if it's the, if it's the fact that she might be like a little bit monotone in the way that she speaks or whatever it is, we just don't necessarily connect with Sarah the same way that we do with other contestants on the show. And yeah. I, the perception of her as a result of that takes her probably from this like legend of the game to just like a very good player. Right. I'm curious if you feel the same way in terms of what you've seen and, and what you've spoken yeah. about other people. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. So so I think what's happening here is that Sarah does not look like the game is fun for her. <laughs> I, th I think that's maybe how we can try to understand that. Like, I think whenever she's talking about strategizing or, you know, the vote or, or flipping or anything, it's always like feels very pained. She's always like, ah, she's always exasperated. And she's like, oh, we got to do this thing. And he better not flip on me because this is what we got to do. And where her, where, where the disconnect is, is that she's having a great time during the social aspect of the game, much of which we don't get to see. We were gifted with this whole fashion show and all of that. Uh, we were gifted with some funny banter between her and Tyson. So I think they're trying to show us that Sarah's like really cool people. You know, she's very funny and very witty and she's, um, you know, uh, goofy and 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 she's a really good friend. She's a good listener. She she you know I really do believe her that she gave Nick uh, the 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 reward just because she was being nice. 
I, I hate that she did that because it made her, it, she was doing a nice thing and it looked like a game move and it wasn't a game move. So she got all of the negative res- response to her move to give Nick the reward without having intended to do a move, if that makes right. sense. So I thought that was a little silly on her part, but it came from this really genuine place. So, so that's what I mean. I think whenever we hear about her strategizing or thinking about the game, it feels, it feels like Survivor is just a job, you know? And I think maybe that's the disconnect, whereas you can imagine a Tony, right? It's like fun, like, oh man, like we're going to take the power back and we're going to do this and we're going to back, backstab him and I got to go back, right? Like that's more fun and more exciting. So maybe that's what's happening here. Um, but I think Sarah is playing a very, very good game uh, socially um, in ways that we don't see. Yeah. I do think she did orchestrate a lot of the moves along with Sophie. And then once Sophie was out, I think Sophie played an excellent game as well. Um, Unfortunately, she got a little man. She got blindsided. And now that Sophie's out of the picture, it it was sort of like a transition between Sophie and Tony because Tony was with them, them too. And then once Sophie was gone, Tony filled in that, that spot immediately um and they sort of played the cops are us duo for the remainder of the game so i do think ultimately sarah orchestrated a lot of the moves before tony really started picking things up and started Mm -hmm. playing a more flashy game Mm -hmm. yeah no i think you're right and i and i think what we're not seeing as much of which which is what sarah's pitch would definitely be if she was in the final three is that she's the one pulling the strings like she is Tony's, uh, you know, counselor, psychologist, therapist, whatever you want to say, right? Like she's the one who knows how to uh, negotiate with him and manage him, essentially. Um, so such that Tony's moves, for Sarah's argument, needs to become Sarah's moves. And she needs to make that pitch very strongly. Like all of that stuff that you're impressed by and all that stuff, Boston Rob, where you're saying Tony's the boss and all that stuff that's really me. Yeah. Um, that's how she can win the game. Well, yeah. the, the thing is, is that I believe that if she was going to be okay losing to anybody, it would be Tony. But there's no way that she's going to the end with Tony thinking that she doesn't have a shot to win. Say that one more time. There's no way that so, she goes to the end with Tony thinking that she doesn't have a shot to win. Yeah, so she yeah. thinks she does have a, a yeah, shot. Yeah, she to must win. think that yeah. she has a chance to win, or else she wouldn't do it. Like I believe that they're friends. I believe that she, if she didn't win, she would want Tony to win. But she yeah. must think that she has a shot to win, or else she wouldn't be doing this. I think this is a good opportunity to cue in one of the questions because Felix in the group chat is mentioning the person that comes back from Edge of Extinction will probably tell everybody that the perception of the jury is that Tony is in control and that he will win, which will put a huge target on his back. So Sarah, once that that Edge player is going to come into the game and really um, raise awareness that Tony is the one to beat, um, I think that's the moment Sarah is going to realize that she's going to have to get rid of her sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Felix spot on spot on. That's why I think we saw the Michelle Sarah conversation where Michelle was essentially laying all that out, right. Saying like, Tony's in control. Like, when are you going to take your shot? Like, here I am, I'm available. Right. So I think the the edge of extinction person is going to come in 
Michelle will jump right over whoever that is, or it's Tyson or Natalie or whoever it is. Um, and I think Sarah is going to be caught in the middle. Um, and hopefully for her, for, you know, in the interest of her own game, makes that jump uh, away from Tony at this point in the game. Well, the, the other in- interesting thing is from this Felix question is that this is exactly what happened in season 38, where when Chris gets into the game, he, everybody knows that everybody's rooting for Rick. And so he takes it upon himself to say, I'm going to plan this out. I'm going to team up with Rick Oli to get him out at the final four and have that big move on my resume. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering is that, you know, Tony might think to himself even like, do I want to go against the edge of extinction person in fire making to show like this one last big move on my resume? And you might have mm-hmm. the edge of extinction person saying, I want to go against Tony in the final four too, and have that move on my resume. So it. it's, mm. that's an, that would that's be an interesting battle. That would be, although I, do not think resume building is a part of this final sixes uh, considerations the way that it was in season 38. Um, I think everybody in that final five and the person coming back from the edge are going to know that if they're sitting in the final three, they can make the pitch they want to make. So I don't think we're, we're going to see the a uh, big Chris Underwood moment of giving up your immunity or choosing yourself or any, anything like that. Like, I think the, if, if the person who wins final four immunity is going to be very comfortably sitting in the final three without any kind of big move. Right. Is my, right. my prediction. Yeah. Can you, can you expand on that just a little bit? Cause I am curious, uh, like your opinion on, I, I actually, I once heard Sophie say on a podcast that it's not about resume. It's about your story which I thought yeah. was a really interesting way to put it because yeah. we get a story that's delivered to us from CBS editing the footage, but the players out there obviously have their own story and their own perception of the season. Mm-hmm. And did you find that when you had like Nora and Dean and Tommy all pitching to you guys, were they pitching you guys their resume or did it come out as a story in the way that the final three pitched to you? Well, I, I, when I 100% think that um, with newbie seasons, it's about resume with returnee seasons, it's about story. Um, and I, and I, I think that's, that's how, how it breaks down. So, so you asked me about mine, like, couldn't care less, couldn't care less what they did in their real lives. Couldn't care less, you know, who had a sick grandmother was very uninterested in their, their backstory. The money didn't even come up the entire four hour discussion that we had. We didn't talk about money, who deserves the money, nothing like that. It was all like, at this point in the game, do you, who played the best game and who do you think deserves the money, deserves the win? It, was, it wasn't even about money. Like, who deserves to win this game? Um, whereas I feel like with these players, I think the game will melt away to a certain extent at the final three, a little bit more so than it would in a movie season because they're going to be able to say, hey, I know your kids. We, you know, we, we were at that barbecue together. Like, you know how much, you know, this means to me. I know how much it would have meant for you to sit here. So vote with me to like, you know, somehow represent yourselves in, through me, right? Like, I think it's gonna be a lot more about the connections that they have and what it means to be representing the group as the winner of Winners of War. Less so about like, well, you know, back in week five, I did that thing and I deserve, <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't know that they're gonna be all about that this time around. Yeah, so it well, seems like there's a lot of external variables that are gonna come into play and those previous relationships like the, like the poker alliance 
months. Are there? No, there's nobody left. In the well, here's the interesting life. part, Eric, is that the person that we all feel is the front runner for this, Tony, actually is somebody who probably doesn't have a lot of connections to some of the players that are on the jury. He's probably played the best game. And, and in theory, in what you're saying, Jamal, is that in a newbie season, that would be the most important thing. But I'm like looking at the list here of Michelle, Denise, Ben, Sarah, and Tony. And to be honest, my understanding of their connections probably, I, I don't know how many of them are connected to all the people on the jury since a lot of people on the jury are all friends with each other. So that's where mm-hmm. this conversation of who comes back from the edge would be interesting if that person makes the finals because it's more likely than not that that person will be the most connected person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I think, you know, the, the person who comes back from the edge has to go back at five, has to, has to be voted out at five. Like if they let that person get to the final, it, I mean, how how do you how do you argue against Natalie? <laughs> like, like you just can't. <laughs> yeah. She knows every, she spent the most time with every single person out there. Right? Like it's just really tough. So as a as a survivor contestant and a, like alumni of the show, would that be difficult for you as a as a former contestant to see like somebody coming back who was voted out first potentially winning the game? Uh, as as a fan watching right from yeah, right, so like right as a now. fan and someone who like you know you were on the show, the show has meant yeah. something to you. It is he's like giving you an opportunity to go out there, and then like you know this is the biggest season of the show, and to potentially have that storyline of like the first person coming back to win the game would that be yeah, tough for you yeah. to see as a fan? Yeah, so so it was when Chris did it. Well, actually, I saw Chris win after I got back, but. Um, I understand why Chris won. I understand why the person who comes back from the jury wins because I think it's just about seeing yourself there. Like I said, it's a very individual vote. My, I, I voted Jamal's vote for who wins Survivor. I didn't vote, you know, what the fans thought. I didn't vote what the whole jury thought. Like it was me. So when I see what I could potentially visualize as myself, right, the person who came back from the jury, uh, you know, from Edge and, and sitting there and that could have been me, like, I'm, I feel very drawn to, to vote for that person, um, which is why I think the, the, the logic should be don't even don't even give them that. Don't even give them that option because you, you can't compete with that. It's literally the, the piece of the game that you cannot compete with because you didn't spend any time over there. And I'm sure Gavin is kicking himself because that's exactly what happened to him. He just yeah. couldn't compete with that final storyline. Yeah, I mean, I find that the edge twist this season is different from season 38 in the sense that season 38 you saw a lot of bickering you saw a lot of fighting on the edge um yet the person who was on the edge and who got back into the game ultimately won and that was chris in this season you're seeing a lot of um kumbaya on the beach doing yoga sessions (laughs) eating peanut butter um so you know there there's more of that family aspect especially boston rob and and amber are already married and you know a lot of them are parents and they're talking about their children i feel like it's even more of a reason for one of the, the remaining contestants to make their way back into the game to end up winning the two million dollar yeah. prize yeah Anyways, it'll be really interesting to see um I want to move on to Tony because I think that his storyline for this season, uh, which is the one that's probably the most fascinating, is his season, his storyline this season is actually a story of his three seasons, which is in his first one, he wins this game 
in a way that nobody else has ever won it. He takes risks that people aren't willing to take and he finds a way to get to the end and he wins. And it's probably one of the craziest wins that we've ever seen on any reality show. And then he comes back a second time thinking that he's able to play that way again, only to flame out really quickly. And now this time you see him in the first episode, he's like trying to hold himself in and he's like letting down the guard just a little bit to the point where he's saying he's going to punch you in the face, but he's not there yet. And he was so patient in this game, which is amazing to watch for him Mm -hmm. to get all the way to the merge that Sophie vote. He basically was like, he had that Sophie vote build up for the entire game, but he only let it out (laughs) halfway through the merge. Well, he let it out right when he could. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, that's what's fascinating is we're seeing this story of, of really, who Tony is as a person and why he is deserving probably to win this season. And now Mm -hmm. the major question for all the fans is, is he going to be able to pull it off? So Jamal, what do you think about his game this season? Yeah. What world are we living in that Tony has become the voice of reason on survivor? (laughs) Right? Like, so if you think about, so he's had some fun conversations with, um, with Nick, right? When Nick got blindsided and he was all upset, right? And Nick uh, like was was huffing and puffing coming back from tribal council. And Tony was just like, come on, man. Like, this is Survivor, relax. That's not how, you know how this game goes. Like, sit down. <laughs> why, why are you acting like that? Um, and I think with Adam too, when Adam was doing his big thing during his tribal council where he was like, is it me? Is it me? And Tony was like, what do you want me to do? You want me to tell you? Like, we go up there, we write our name down and that's it. Like, what, <laughs> what, what are you guys doing? And then when Sarah gave her advantage to, 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 to Nick and, and, and Tony sat down with Sarah and was like, what are you doing? Right? Like, so Tony, you can see he has this, this just very consistent groundedness and this consistent like logic about how this game goes that you're just like, man, you just have the game. You have it in your head um, and you're, you're, you're constantly calculating and it looks wildy. It looks, it looks loose. It looks flashy, but in actuality, it's him just executing some really amazing uh, things. calculations about what's best for him in his game yeah absolutely i disagree with some of the choices he's made but you know like i said it's hard to disagree too hard when when he's in the position and 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 easily has one of the best episodes of any single survivor player has ever put together in the history of survivor yeah yeah absolutely i i'm actually curious what happened to his four remaining fire tokens that he won in those two individual immunities like there's some aspects of the fire tokens that weren't brought up, but we'll, we'll talk about the fire tokens uh, as a separate topic uh, altogether. But um, for me, Tony, I've watched him survive Kagian, and obviously he played a, a crazy game that season as well. He's your favorite player, right, Eric? Is that, am I right? He is, uh, other than Spencer, uh, which they both ended up playing the same season. They're, they're my two favorite players of Survivor. I mean, I just... Oh, Spencer Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, like this season, Tony really excelled in the social aspect of the game, um, more so than his last season. And it was just, to me, a matter of time like he played a, a mellow social game at the very beginning, didn't play too hard, didn't go fetching and searching for the idols. Uh, every stone were turned. <laughs> um, and it was just for me a matter of time before he exploded. I'm like, there's my Tony. Like 
I knew he was going to come out at one point or you can't change who someone is. Like, this is Tony. This, this is who he is at his core is that like, he can't sit back. Uh, he did for the first 20 days. Um, and then he, he really, he really shone in true colors and in true Tony fashion for, for the last half of the game. Yep. Yeah, I, I disagree I, there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for sure. I, I would think that if we're going to be saying that whoever wins this season, Sandra's out of it. So whoever wins this season is the next two-time winner of Survivor and the, probably like the king to Sandra's queen, which is funny because I, I know there was king, queen, and jack talk on your season, Jamal. But, um, but you know, if he ends up being the king of Survivor, the one that won twice, uh, I can't think of someone more deserving. For somebody who, if you would ask anyone who drafted players before the season and they said and if you were just drafting who's going to win I think Tony is 20 out of 20 on that list before the season and for him to potentially win the game for a guy who actually has not been voted for this entire season this entire season it's an incredible (laughs) run yeah um so anyways I I I love something to be said well he he is playing the game that I wish I could go back and like kick myself to try to play, which is know where you want the original target to be, find out who the second target is, and then be in the spot to decide if it's that first target or that second target. So for, I think for three votes in a row now, it's been, all right, here's what the plan was, right? Here, here's our target, we're gonna split the vote, whatever, whatever. And now let's go make another plan right and then decide who it's going to be and then the final right before tribal it's tony saying like this is what we thought it was going to be but no i think it's going to be this and then lo and behold it's that right so that that's how he's avoiding the vote is that he's controlling the two options of every tribal well yeah so we actually have john sorry there was jason who did ask a question in the group about like if you were to play again jamal um First of all, would you play again uh, if if CBS proposed you to Easy. play? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I feel like you have some unfinished business. Oh, you are you kidding me? That's so <laughs> much unfinished business. Um, but actually, no, that's, that is what I was going to say. I was going to bring up that question from Jason, which was an interesting one, which was, would you play again? And I know that uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot is when people go back to the show for a second time, they often emulate some of the game of the winner of their season. So, uh, no. so to me, <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, no. so that's, but that's what we've seen <laughs> in the past. So I don't know that necessarily from what you're saying that you would be interested in playing a Tommy game. It sounds to me like you'd be more interested in playing a Tony game. Yeah. Um, a Sarah game. Mm. A Sarah mm. game. Yeah. 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 That, that, that like background player in the beginning, right. a a real social glue type player that everyone feels connected to and just never kind of comes up um but always has the ear of the 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 big the big dog right the the one who's making making the decisions um i want to see well i don't want to give too much of my strategy away should i play again um but i definitely want to see if i can i can play adjust my game a little bit yeah okay Mm -hmm. well look it's uh we'd be excited to see it so Let's move on. So we spoke about the five players that are left in the game. Uh, clearly, we feel that Tony probably has the best shot. But there's all these people who are on the edge right now. And we're not going to go through each one of them. But I do want to kind of point out some of the people who might have a shot to come back. 
and then I'll ask your opinion on this, Jamal. So um, one of the people we've been talking about the last few weeks is Parvati, who has been given a ton of screen time on the edge, who does have an advantage in this challenge, and is the one who I personally feel has the best shot if she comes back in the game. Because um, mm. she's still connected to Michelle. They had a really good um, connection when they were together. And I think that she has the ability to potentially get in there with some people. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, I literally have never thought of it until you asked this question. I just have not given any credence to the idea that it would be anybody other than Natalie or Tyson. Um, but let's play. Uh, poverty getting back into the game. I definitely think she has an avenue to get through the first vote for sure. Um, the only thing is, you know, we're in dangerous, like, serene territory, <laughs> right, with all the advantages that can happen at the final five. Um, and I just don't know how she gets through to the final five from what I said earlier, which is, what four people are going to be dumb enough to let the edge of extinction player sniff the final three seats. Like mm -hmm. that just is not smart of the players in the game to ever let that happen. So I, I don't know. I, I think Michelle would definitely push her luck and try to stay with poverty through the final five vote. But well, I don't know. That, the I don't question know that is the final six be. vote though, because if she's she able to get final six, Sorry? Yeah. She yeah. survives final so, yeah, so, If she comes back in, she, she doesn't go home right away. Probably not. But the question is, is who can they take out at final six? And does she go along with them? Is it the type of thing where she gets back together with Michelle and then they're able to get Denise to work with them? Someone who she was with on her original tribe for a little bit. And yeah. could we see a type of 3-3 three, three thing? And then you have to start talking about the fact that Tony and Ben have idols. So naturally, there's an advantage on their side if they're going to end up going to rocks or something like that. But uh, to me, uh, I would probably be more scared of her coming back than a lot of other people just because of her ability in being like, we talk about how great of a social player Michelle is and how she's able to survive through this. Parvati is like the best social player probably to ever play the game. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. That's, that's why I, it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion to me that if poverty or any of any of them really I, I don't think the edge of extinction player goes home at final six i don't think so i think they survive the vote especially if it's natalie or tyson they have idols like they're playing them they're they're getting through um to the final six especially because i think the dynamic is going to be like we all said the the edge player is going to come back and, and spill the beans on tony and try to galvanize denise michelle sarah maybe to get mm -hmm. together and vote out tony or ben um i think that's inevitable i think that's that's the way that plays out at final six so mm -hmm. it's about the 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 how do you get to the final three um and i don't know that any edge of extinction has a player has what it what it's going to take to get through the final five vote Mm -hmm. I know, John, you mentioned poverty. Like, you think based on the edits and her screen time that she has a really good shot of making her way back in. I'm curious for you, Jamal, who do you think out of the remaining players on that edge island do you think will make their way back into the game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nadia is at the top of the list. I think Tyson's after that. I don't count out Boston and Rob. I think Boston and Rob could could give it a good swing here. Um, I know he's cracked his elbow and he's, you know, all they're, they're making him look all washed up and everything, but don't count him out. Don't count him out. Um, 
other than that, I just think the rest of the story, the rest of the storylines as we understand them, it wouldn't really make much sense, right? Like Danny coming back, I don't, you know, I don't think so. Wendell coming back doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I think I think we have a narrow, narrow list to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, okay. I do. I agree with those things. I, I think you got Parvati Tyson, Rob, who does have an idol left from the merge when he bought that idol, and Nat are probably the four that you're looking at. I know that Sophie had some coins. I'm not sure if she ended up buying an advantage or not. They didn't show that on the screen, but, um, and Wendell did have an advantage also, but I think you're right in terms of those four people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have Natalie in the chat who's asking Jamal, what did you think of your idols game? Um, did they take their own advice? So obviously talking about Rob, um, <laughs> so how did you feel about his game this season? Once we were talking about him? Yeah. I mean, Rob, he, he he literally could not be any other survivor character <laughs> other than himself. It almost felt like Rob was playing a, a, a heightened caricature of his of his self <laughs> this season. Because it was like, Rob, what what are you doing? Like you're not you're not gonna do the buddy system <laughs> with all winners. Like that's just <laughs> that wasn't that was never gonna work. Um I was very impressed that classic Rob was able to get that information out of Ben and flip that whole Danny situation around. And I give him a lot of kudos in his social game for somehow convincing Danny that he was willing to flip against poverty because mm-hmm. that made no sense to us as fans. But for some reason, Danny thought that that was a viable play for her. And that speaks to what Boston Rob's game was. Um, but he was t- just too big of a target. I don't know how Boston Rob could have done anything other than what he did. And those players were just not going to let Boston Rob get much further than that. Yeah. And being a longtime Boston Rob fan, I'm just, I'm just happy we got like five or six episodes of Rob and just being able to see him on the screen, I think has been awesome. And if this is the last yeah. chance we, you know, if Rob ends up coming back, I don't think he has, I don't think he's going to win the game, but uh, I just think that like, we as fans, uh, whether you like him or you hate him, and I know he's very polarizing, uh, I would say appreciate everything you're seeing from him just because he's so knowledgeable about the game. And the things that he's willing to do in the game are things that barely anyone else has been willing to do. And it's very rare that you get a newbie season where a player comes out that is anywhere near the level of Boston Rob. So uh, whatever you get of him, I'm appreciative of. And Mm -hmm. um, I was thrilled to see him on your season and I'm thrilled to see him on this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah, I'm a a Boston Rob fan. Yeah, we're talking about, you know, the battle back challenge. We're, you know, sort of hoping that it would happen at final seven. But it sort of makes sense that they're trying to milk every episode out of the remaining players so that they can get some airtime because they have such a big fan base. And I think CBS and the Survivor crew, they're trying to um, get them to stay on the edge so that we can see more uh, of their experience. And then eventually once the ponderosa videos that are going to come out we'll have that we'll have that portion as well but i think they're trying to milk in as much as possible of each player um since they are they are idols to so many survivor fans mm-hmm. out there 
Yeah. And this was always the plan, right? Like, I think Jeff Probst, unfortunately, I think season 38 was just a test run <laughs> for <laughs> Edge of Extinction. That's what we're saying as well, yeah. yeah it, there's yeah. no way. Like, he just wanted to see how it would work and then figure out, and knowing that he was going to have uh, all of 20 of his, you know, golden eggs here on, on the screen at any given time throughout the entirety of, of the season. This is just what it was going to be. Yeah. So Jamal, uh, before we wrap, cause I know that, uh, there's a lot of people who did have some questions for you. So I do, I do want to get to oh, those sure. questions. I know that Eric, uh, you had a couple things that you wanted to run by Jamal about general questions about the season and twists. Was there anything else that you wanted to cover with him? Um, no, mostly the fire token twist, but I'll yeah, let you get to your, your, your questions first, John, if you want. Yeah, oh, I guess, okay. um, yeah okay so one of the questions that i had for you was how would you think that tommy would have done on this season the interesting thing is that in all the previous all-star seasons we've actually had someone come in from the previous season someone that most people don't know so whether it was like it was rupert or jt Mm -hmm. or or, um oh no so it's rupert or russell even who came into there so um my question for you is is how would tommy have done on this season knowing him so well yeah um that's a good question i think i think tommy would have made it further along like i don't think he would have been a consensus first boot or even second boot um but i think as soon as it came time to like do the expendable thing and not make any waves he would have been gone right like i don't think he would have been able to form any kind of relationships with the people there that could rival anything of what was already pre-existing. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who he bonds with. Like, I don't know who his like number one would be. Like, I, I can't picture anyone like wanting to ride or die for Tommy in the way that Lauren was and the way that Dan was, right? Like, I think he just is, would have been a, a man alone and been cut when it was time for him to go. Well, I'm wondering if he does work with Robert Sandra, considering he had some type of relationship with them, even though he actually didn't go to the Island of the Idols, actually, now that I'm remembering, but... Um, not a chance. Not yeah. a chance, because Rob, Rob and Sandra, you have to understand, they are villains. They are villainous survivor players. And I don't think they would let those, like, relationships get in the way. If you're not Amber, <laughs> Boston Rob is not laying his game on the line for you. Um, and Sandra, we all know what her motto is. So no, I don't think they would have cared (laughs) at all (laughs) about Tommy in the least bit in terms of a survivor, you know, survivor game. Okay. Um, and then, uh, another question I did have for you, I know we covered it a little bit was what do you think about the final four fire making as a concept in itself? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I get what it's doing. I've actually had a one-on-one or two-on-one conversation with Jeff and Matt Van Wagen um, about this. And, and, you know, his his argument is that, you know, he was tired of seeing the the way uh, Survivor has ended in the past. This, you know, just a very clear votes towards the end. It's not very exciting. And, and, and this idea that like you earn your way into the final three is just a very exciting concept for them. Um, I like it. I like it. And, and similar to the fire tokens, we'll get into it. I, I like the idea of this little like wrinkle that changes the way people strategize throughout the game. And this was, this has always been my 
qualm with any survivor twist is that I wish the I wish they would just I wish the players would just know about it you know like I, I don't I don't like this idea that like these players have no idea what's happening and they're just kind of going along and all of a sudden there's this twist that if they had known that that was what was going to happen they could have made some different decisions um mm -hmm. going in and that's what I like to see like I like to see Yule you know sit there and be like all right so here's the landscape we have fire tokens we have the edge we have blah blah so here's what we're going to do we're going to get them to think that they're voting you so that they can give us fire tokens and you give me a fire token because this ultimately leads to right like i love that um and so if you have the fire making challenge that's why it was so annoying in season 35 because nobody knew that that was going to happen so how could you plan for that so now that we know it's nice to say things like oh man no let's not sit next to ben because you know for sure that that's going to happen so let's adjust our strategy now to account for the mm -hmm. future circumstances so that's yeah. what that's what i think about it yeah Fair i enough. think i think you want to know the rules of the game that you're playing and and i yes. don't think that's too much to ask for uh, if i had just known that grabbing a note out of a tree was going to lose me my vote I might have made a different choice. You know, know. what I'm saying? Probably, <laughs> it probably stings you a little to this day because you probably can did, never it, you can never look at trees the same. No, no, I, I have PTSD actually. When I it's see like it's like taking tree, an, yeah. it's like Adam and Eve like they picked the apple from the tree and then they That's unleash this. Yeah, you know. You know, um, I should have, I should have, I should have thought more about my Bible study. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like an anvil dropped from the tree on you. But, uh, but yes. yeah, I, I do think it's an interesting case study because I am curious in Survivor 41 or 42, whatever it is, if you have those notes in the trees, if people will not grab them because of your situation, which is like the only 100%. time probably in Survivor that a negative has been given by grabbing something out of a tree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, let's get to the uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's elaborate more on a twist that they knew about from the preset going into the game that this was going to be uh, a new element to Survivor. Um, mm -hmm. It's an element of complexity that really, um, you know, makes people more paranoid. It just adds another element of strategy to people's games. Um, you know, people complained a little bit about how it was approached this season. And like, look, it's, it's their first season of, of playing with this economic currency um, and seeing how that all plays out. But, you know, back when season 11, Guatemala came about, that's the first season when they had hidden immunity idols that were playing in the game, you know. Back then, we're saying, oh, how is it possible, you know, hidden immunity? That's not fair if players get a hidden immunity idol. But look how much it's evolved over the years and how much of an element that's added to people's games and adding paranoia to, to, to the remaining castmates on, on the island when they know that another player has an idol and being able to split the votes just in case they have an idol. So... I find that fire tokens is a very creative concept in, in itself and I'm excited to see how they're going to evolve this element. But people were saying, no, that's not fair that they're adding fire tokens to the game. It's already complex as it is. I think there's so many ways they can, they can improve on it and how it can completely shake up the game. Jamal, I'm, I'm actually curious to, to get your thoughts on, on this twist because Jeff says, 
it's it's going to be here to stay right for future wow. seasons right so maybe season 40 onwards till the rest of the days survivor be a part of the game tokens will be part of the game yeah yeah um that you that was a really great summation very very well articulated um i think that i love fire tokens i think they're great I think they're great. I think they do all the things that you just said. And not only in the basic way as like a survivor currency, right? Not just that you can buy sort of idols and advantages and peanut butter, right? I think it's also fun to see how the players value fire tokens uh, as compared compared to, to survivor moves. So what I mean by that is Sandra priced an idol at two fire tokens, right? And gave it to Denise. And Denise made that exchange, you know, mm-hmm. half of it. She said, you know, one now, one later, and then did what she yeah. did with it. Um, but Tony tried to negotiate, uh, or Nick tried to, Tony tried to negotiate with Nick to step down for a fire token or the other way around. At some point there was a, there was a negotiation about who should step down, I'll give you a fire token. And Nick eventually did. Uh, get a fire token out of Tony for stepping down off the challenge, right? My pockets feel a little light. <laughs> My pockets feel a little light. Exactly right. That's what he said. Um, you know, uh, Tony tried to negotiate with Ben and say, hey, I will give you a fire token. Just consider voting for Kim. Like, whatever you need to do, like, I'll give you a fire token. Just, just consider this, right? So now you're starting to see not only items, not only like hard things that you can handle having a price but it's actually going to to start to you're going to start to value moves in the game and they're going to start to measure their place in the game against this this currency inside inside the game and that's endlessly fascinating endlessly 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 and i was talking to john about this right before we went on air like imagine you're at a challenge and it's it's an obstacle course or like there is like a three-stage uh, challenge and Jeff lets you know that on top of this tower lays three fire tokens. If you want to go, choice. it's it's up to you. But if it's going to delay like you your process of immunity, winning. Yes. You know, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> no. But it's it's true. It's like it's a cash twenty-two. You know, you have an opportunity. Like there's, it's like a beaming lights on top of the tower with fire tokens but a you're exposing yourself because it's showing that you're getting fire tokens and all of it but you know it's it's gonna help you further your game but it can also get you voted out that same night so it's like mario kart right you know when there's like all these tokens and all these boxes and you're trying to hit yourself and trying to get them along the way I I sort of see that that's one way I can see this uh, playing right. out in future. How much does attaining fire tokens deviate you from the quickest path forward through the game? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think I think Dalton Ross has always he writes for EW for those who don't know uh, and he's written about Survivor for practically his entire run and he says that the best twists in general are when survivors have to make tough decisions. 
It's the decision-making process that as a fan, we look at and then we start to think, what decision would I make if I was in Jamal's spot or if I was in somebody else playing? And that's mm -hmm. why the immunity uh, idols and the challenges is an interesting thing. And that's why fire tokens in a challenge or, or who you're going to give your fire tokens to. It's the decision points in the game that are the most right. interesting for fans. So I think as long as Survivor moves in that direction with their twists, which is you know, little decisions that don't affect the complete structure of the game. I think we have a positive move forward with fire tokens. Yeah. 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 And to your point, I, I think that is an ingenious way to frame it. And I think that explains exactly why Island of the Idols as a concept was a hard one for fans because it didn't allow enough of that, right? Like I didn't have a choice. I just lost my vote. And then I got this blank parchment and like, what the what the heck do you do with that? You know, like it it just didn't have enough. Um, it, it wasn't concrete enough to 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 gain the validity that 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 fans I think of the game really want out of that. And then it was no consistency, right? Like I had what happened to me. Elizabeth had to make fire against Boston Rob, and then Dean just has to flip a coin. You know, like what? <laughs> there was no. Uh, uh, there was no fairness to it and there was no predictability to it. Whereas fire tokens, you're like, okay, this is a predictable item. We win them at challenges. We get them when people are voted out. We finally figure out that there's this like edge can sell things to the game moment. Right. And so that we can all, we all have like wrapped our mind around that and, and feel comfortable with the variability that that has injected into the game. Yeah. And you bring up like Sandra, um, sorry, Denise pricing out the, sorry, Sandra, Sandra, Sandra pricing, pricing out the fire tokens to Denise. Um, and I think that's a really cool element. There was one part this season where it was a little inconsistent, like you're mentioning on Island of the Idols. Tyson was upset because uh, he found an island, uh, 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 an nullifier on the edge, and he gave that advantage to poverty, but it was only to the exchange of one fire token, and Survivor was the ones who, who established that price that he'd be getting in return. Whereas um, someone like, uh, like Natalie, Natalie received eight fire tokens from, from, from Nick, was it with, from Nick? Uh, uh, yeah. The eight, yeah. Yeah, good. eight fire tokens from Nick. So it's just like more. some players have the opportunity to get as much fire tokens as they'd like, whereas some of them mm. were only entitled to just one fire token. And I know that That's Tyson good. was a little upset about this and he spoke to producers off camera. Um, you know, like he argued that, you know, I specifically chose poverty because I knew she was at the bottom um, at the time. And uh, ultimately he only got one fire token from it. So mm. anyways, and all this to mm. say is that it's their first iteration of the fire token currency. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't gonna, perfect. It, it wasn't perfect. There's some room for improvement, but it's going to evolve. And I think in, in a huge way, it's going to change the facet of, of Survivor yeah. games. Yeah. To, to your point, that that's so good. I think maybe what the Survivor producers were thinking about with that is everybody has at least one, right? So to give up your one fire token is a bigger decision if you only have one, right, than 
later in the game when you have six <laughs> and you can like one would just be like oh this is a this is a steal right yeah. so the the, uh -huh. the actual the inflation of fire tokens happens really rapidly across yeah. uh, across the game yeah and cbs producers are smart like they know that there's there's some mishaps this season and i'm and i know that they're going to, to make things right for future seasons i really do yeah uh, so before we wrap up, Jamal, uh, I'm very curious to know, uh, I'll take your winner pick for the finale. And then uh, one of the main questions I got was, if you were to go back on another season, which you said you would, what is the one takeaway that you would take from Survivor 40 that you think you'd want to implement into your game in the future? From, from Survivor 40? Yeah, from Survivor 40, from oh, what wow, you've seen from wow, this season. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah uh, okay, so my winner pick. Um, shoot, I oscillate back and forth between Tony and Sarah. Um, I think one of them wins this game. I hope what I'm hoping happens is that Sarah flips on Tony and takes all the Tony glory, right, of, of this season for herself um, and, and wins the game. I'll, I'll put it, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, okay. I'm going to pick Sarah. I'm going to pick Sarah Lucina to win the game. Okay. That's so the first time I've said that out loud. So there you go. <laughs> well, it was good. It's good to hear that. And then what's it's good your timing? Because uh, it is the preview for the finale. Yeah. So yeah, what, you what's your uh, takeaway from this season? Um, so my takeaway from the season is I love the way that Michelle and Nick to be fair to Nick, because I know Nick has gotten a little bit of a bad rap, <laughs> but I love the way that they play this game. Um, I love the, the, the style of just say yes, just go ahead and agree to everybody. I hate Ben's style. I, I see myself in Ben. And so I, I hate that I was like Ben in any way uh, in terms of survivor game. I have a lot of respect for Ben, the player. Um, so I think what I would take away is say yes to everything and try to position yourself right in the middle where you can go with A, you can go with B, and A and B is neither you at any time. Um, and I want that to be the case. So that, that's what I'm going to go for if I ever play again. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Eric, how about you for your winner pick? Winner pick. Um... I mean, you guys know I love Tony, so Tony all the way. I, I love blindside still. Like, there's something so thriving, even if it's one of your favorite players to get blindsided. I just find it super exciting. So if someone slays Tony, that's going to make an epic finale, but I also want Tony to win. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And for me, like, I, I would love if Tony won. I think it would be the, like, crescendo to the season it would be an amazing way for it to end uh, i know a lot of people's favorites like went out at different times and this was tough for people who like love these players and you see them get voted out every week but i know that tony is a big fan favorite so i would love to see that there's a little part of me that's like a little bit of like wants some anarchy and is hoping that maybe the edge of extinction person causes a little bit of chaos and uh, I don't want them to take Tony out necessarily and win over Tony, but if Tony were to go, uh, if someone like Parvati ended up winning the game, I think that would be like crazy. And I would love to break that down after that happens. So, um, you know, Parvati, Tyson, Nat, Rob, like the four people we spoke about, if one of those people ended up coming back and winning the game, it's not necessarily, necessarily something I want for Survivor and something I think would be great for Survivor, but it would be something as a fan that is kind of cool to talk about. 
Um, so it's just like, there are a lot of very interesting storylines heading into the finale. And I'm really thrilled that we got to break it down with you, Jamal. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Yeah. You guys are sharp. You guys know your stuff. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. It's, uh, it's always great to talk to you and for everybody in the chat. I know they really appreciated getting a chance absolutely. to hear from you. Hey, were you guys like huge Tom Laidlaw fans then? <laughs> so, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, he's uh, definitely like a generation older than us. So uh, we never got to like a see couple, I think a couple. I think a couple, a couple generation. generations older, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's interesting because when we found out that Canadians could apply for Survivor, uh, I think Eric posted it in our group, and I know that there's a few people in our group who have applied, but it seems Perfect. like the only, I know there's only been one newbie season since that's the case, but uh, the only person that they've taken on that's Canadian is uh, someone who was recruited on the show, to my understanding. So um, I do hope that there are a lot of amazing Canadians out there who have the ability to play survivor and uh we see it when we have shows like big brother canada here that i i hope that we get some canadians on survivor who are able to uh show the americans that we can play too yeah yeah i was convinced that that's what our season was because we got all the notifications that canadians could be on our season and we were like oh well then obviously they're going to do an america versus canada uh season so uh, for a little while, that's what I thought. And then I then I figured out that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, if if Jamal, if you're ever a plug and you speak to Jeff Probst again, <laughs> put in a good word. <laughs> because we would love to play the game. I think, John, you can agree. We'll we're we're we'll huge, do. huge fans. And Well, uh, let me let me actually give a plug to Dominic Abate, uh, who has been advertising on his uh, IG and, and his cameo that he's doing a lot of um, uh, video uh, consulting so he, he's helping yeah. people put together videos and we all have the ears of our casting producers so you should definitely uh bother them <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, right. definitely okay well thank you so much jamal we really appreciate you coming on with us uh, we will be back after the finale to break it all down uh we will let you know who we'll be on with and uh Everybody enjoy the finale on Wednesday. It's the last Survivor content we're going to get for a little bit. So, uh, yes. yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we look forward to discussing it all in a few days. So yeah. thank you, everybody. And we're going to end the live stream now.